0: the nba goes broke the bounty hunters go crazy and the bureaucracy needs to go away i'm josiah evertson and this is the glorious rescue thank you thank you thank you that's how i want to start off this episode by thanking all of you who listen into the show thank you all for all of your support Thank you for your participation. I know many of you asked questions in our last episode for our end of show segment. Many of you participating in giveaways or just briefly mentioning to me your suggestions for the show. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. I take it to heart. I hope I am answering your questions and making you understand that I value your suggestions and whatnot. So thank you for all of your suggestions, your participation, your help, and your support as we listen in and as we grow this show. So thank you very much. And with that, I want to start off with our very first story of the day, which is the NBA going broke. And before I do, I want to talk about why it is going broke. So just over the past few days or so, late last week, the Clippers and the Lakers were voting to boycott the rest of the NBA season. And that was over this Jacob Blake shooting. This is the shooting we talked about recently in one of our last episodes. And we're going to talk a little bit more as the episode, in this episode specifically, but as episodes progress and more information comes out, but here, two NBA teams, the Clippers and the Lakers, were going to boycott the rest of the 2020 season. And they were somewhat implying it. I think it was some sort of backroom meeting with players, basically walking out saying we're not going to. This was according to The Athletic on Wednesday night, where several teams were basically coming out and saying they're not going to participate in the rest of the playoffs. And it was kind of headed up by the Lakers star, the one and only amazing basketball player, but absolutely Awful, awful ideological warrior, and that is LeBron James. LeBron James has come out on many different social issues and not very cohesive of an individual, not very logical when it comes to making conclusions or making call outs and things like that. And that obviously has nothing to do with his athletic ability. But for what he possesses in athletic ability, he most certainly lacks in logical ability, I will say. And again, this is all according to the athletic, well, well, not the comment I just made, obviously, but the idea of boycotting the rest of the season. But then, I believe it was the next day, yes, the next day, Yahoo Sports reported on Thursday night that they magically decided to keep playing. And he came out with some statement basically saying that he came out too quickly or something like that. Again, the quick reversal. I wonder why. Well, according to James Wood, apparently a triggered actor, and I'm just reading an article here by a reporter named Hank Berean, it says here that James Woods stated his China handlers didn't like the optics. Now, I will say, this is obviously an attack on him and the very interesting coalition between China and the NBA, the backhand dealings between China specifically and LeBron James, specifically, individually, with him. So there are connections there. And so he was pointing out the fact, well, maybe China didn't like the optics. I definitely liked this remark. I did. Because here he is trying to claim that he's standing for social justice. And yet, again, we, I've talked about this point before. An NBA player standing up, acting as if he's standing for justice, for humanity, social justice. And yet, he's being backed by a Chinese government who commits the most inhumane actions possible on this planet the government of China. So here's the exact connection. Sports Illustrated noted that there was a connection between China and the NBA. For instance, a $1.5 billion contract with a Chinese tech company and the NBA, Chinese sports channels, Chinese phone companies, other Chinese companies, companies that are sponsoring and putting billions of dollars into the NBA, money that the NBA desperately needs because their ratings are dropping so poorly and so quickly. And then it was Fox Business that reported that James, LeBron James, and China hold a lifetime deal valued at $1 billion through the sports retail company being Nike. And that is LeBron James' connection with China, obviously Nike's connection with China as well. So, yes... I think the quick reversal was probably due to this because the ratings are dropping off astronomically from an all-time peak. I want to say one channel was down 40%, another down 20%, another channel 45%. I'm looking at the numbers here. These are all according to The Athletic. So the droppings are astronomical. And so they're getting their money from somewhere, China, and yet they're talking like they want to promote racial justice. Anyways, I don't want to spend too much time on that because it's not necessarily too applicable to us. But just remember... We turn on the channel, the sports channel, to watch sports. Unfortunately, it's just another MSNBC, another CNN. It's no different than any other left-wing propaganda channel now, basically. And so that's why we're seeing the ratings drop. Because it turns out, when people turn on the basketball channel, they want to watch basketball. And they don't want to watch Chinese puppets acting like they care about social justice when in the background they're making these huge contracts with inhumane companies acting like they are icons of the people. The next thing I want to talk about is something that is sad. It's it's very good, but it's an indicator of something very sad. And that is what we've been talking about a little bit on the show and alluding, and alluding to being human trafficking. And if you remember in the intro, I said the bounty hunters are going crazy. I think it was. When I was referring to the bounty hunters, I meant the U.S. Marshal Service. They are kind of like the modern bounty hunters, the ones that are going after certain types of activities or certain types of individuals. And the U.S. Marshal Service, according to one of their reports, they just announced that late last week... They had rescued dozens of missing children. It stated here, quote, it resulted in the rescue of 26 children, the safe location of 13 children, and the arrest of nine criminal associates. That's what the agency said in their statement. There were 26 arrest warrants for a total of nine individuals arrested, some of them having multiple warrants, according to this report. Again, charges of human trafficking, of kidnapping, parental kidnapping. All of these that have been uncovered, really, by the United States Marshal Services. So this is a very good thing because they're putting a stop to this. They're putting a stop to some of the worst actions possible committed by human beings on this planet right now. And to think that we are able to make a dent, obviously still much more progress to make, but... this service here is doing an exceptional job. According to their same report, the agency stated that they recover 75% of missing child cases when requested. So if a request comes from either from law enforcement or from an individual, they're able to have a recovery rate of 75% and 66% of that is within a few days. So They are quick, they are fast, and they have a high recovery rate. Yes, still obviously progress to make. Very sad that this is still occurring, but again, good progress to make. Lastly, as we transition into our end of show segment, what I really want to touch on now is some of the violence that we're seeing, how it's relating into modern day politics, what we're seeing, the egregious acts of the left and how they are, first of all, praising this, and now that it's coming back to bite them in the polls, blaming it on Donald Trump. Absolutely ridiculous, but... I'm not sure I, if I remember in our last episode if we discussed Kyle Rittenhouse, but I'm just going to briefly give a summary, some of the misnomers, and then we're going to kind of move along. And that is Kyle Rittenhouse was a 17-year-old boy who was from out of state and attended a Black Lives Matter and really an Antifa mix type protest. I shouldn't say protest, a riot. And he was charged on, on cases of murder and illegal possession of a firearm yes i I remember that we did talk about that and he was being charged for these cases and it looked like it was self-defense well now more information is coming out court documents and things like that turns out he was not the first person to fire shot he wasn't just going around shooting people as the mainstream media was promoting they were promulgating the idea that he was this white nationalist coming in out of state to shoot people up Absolutely ridiculous. I don't think he should have been there. He's out of state. I would say his presence caused ruckus, sure. But it was out of self-defense. It turns out there are many eyewitness accounts reporting the fact that there were many shots, or at least one shot, that occurred first. That he was not the one shooting first. That he was being shot at. And that is why shots were fired on his behalf. So shots were fired first. That's the first thing. Secondly, he was being beat down by another individual, and that's why there were shots taken at the next, because he was beaten down like to a pulp by a skateboard. And then the last one, he had an individual approach him and putting trying to put a gun in his head. So first, he had shots being fired at him. He was beaten down by a skateboard, and he was basically going to have a gun put to his head. So all acts of self-defense. And so really the case of that is not really there. Another story that we're hearing that there are more numbers about is obviously the Jacob Blake case. This is the individual who was shot seven times in the back by the police. I did mention that I think it was overkill. I understand that. And I did misspeak in our last episode when I said he did die. He has not passed away. He is recovering. I believe he was in critical condition. But he was shot seven times in the back by the police. And again, I do think that was too much. But the misnomer here, again, is that police were just shooting people in the back. That is not what happened. More information came out. Again, we talked about how the police were specifically called to this event. Like a 911 dispatch. Now we know why. Because he was charged with rape. And there was a restraining order from the victim for him. He wasn't allowed back in the vicinity of this this victim. And so when he violated that restraining order, he then came back to that individual, that victim. And this is definitely a threat to that person. And so that's why 911 was called. This individual had rape charges against him. A restraining order against him. He violated the restraining order, threatening this this victim, and so the police were called on him. Not only that, but he had other charges, domestic violence, and many different other charges. Right. So here he is with all these different charges. He's now violating the restraining order. The police are called to him. He is then approached by the police. He resists arrest. The police try to use non-lethal force, a taser, twice, and it does not work. He again resists arrest. And then as the officers still are trying to approach him they fail to tase him twice and then he goes to his car reaches for now a knife and then he is shot in the back so again justified not justified at least let's have the mainstream media tell the straight facts because that is absolutely not what they're doing they are just pushing their own narrative that they desire to fit their own agenda it is a shame and what they're not covering is the portland protester who was shot cold-blooded by members of antifa and Black Lives Matter riots. So you have all these acts of violence on behalf of these left-wing affiliations that are not being called out by the left, but as soon as you have something that is more right-wing, like the police, because now apparently a police force is right, right-wing, right it's not called out. It is berated and promulgated throughout all mainstream media outlets. Explain that one to me. This Portland writer according to the report really he was just having an American flag a Trump flag or whatnot and there was a shooting and then after this the black lives matter spokespeople and some antifa members were basically saying well he's we got a Trumper we got a trumper so and then another one was stating I'm not glad I'm not sad that we killed a fascist or something like that a white supremacist just because he showed up in the area with a Trump flag or a trump hat I don't remember what it what it was exactly but but this is the stuff that's not talked about in the mainstream media because it doesn't fit their narrative. And it's absolutely ridiculous that, it's, that these acts of violence are being used as a tool to promote the left's agenda. Especially as they are the ones who are praising and then allowing and enabling these rioters. A good illustration of the left really using and abusing this violence to promote their own agenda would be Joe Biden. And Joe Biden just recently came out of the basement to say, quote, If Trump is reelected, violence won't stop. I kind of took it as a threat. But he was trying to say, basically, that he is the figure of peace. Really, Joe Biden is the figure of peace. The one who has not one time, throughout his presidential election, come out and stated explicitly that he is against the Black Lives Matter groups that are promoting the rioting and the looting and all these different acts of violence. Not one time come out to declare, specifically, and denounce Antifa. This is separate, obviously, from the Black Lives Matter protests. The ones that are peaceably protesting in the streets, right? These are. I'm talking specifically about these violent people who are committing horrible acts against our, our fellow citizens. And yet Biden hasn't single-handedly one time specifically called out these groups. And yet he is the one who will bring peace. He is the one who, if not elected, the violence will continue. Well, this has come back to bite the left astronomically because they have been the ones really who have praised this and enabled these violent acts. And so recently, Biden came out and condemned the violence in Portland. Again, he did not specifically call out the violence. Why? Because they were really categories of left-wing ideologies, right? They are portions or outreaches of the Democratic Party. So he just basically stated he's against all types of violence. And so when he did so, Dan Crenshaw fired back, quote, you're only commenting now because the polling told you to. Dan Crenshaw is exactly right. The left, to promote their own agenda, has repeatedly not quelled these violence. You have mayors, you have governors all over who won't let Trump send in forces to quell these. And now, for months, these rioters have gone on unscathed and unpunished. And they're becoming extraordinarily unpopular by the mainstream of American people. And that is a good thing. Because again, that is bad. And now Dan Crenshaw said, you're only commenting now because the polling told you to. He's exactly right. Donald Trump recently, his approval from the black community soared by 60%. So he's up many, many points. I believe it was like all-time highs in the last 50 years, a black approval rating. Not to mention the extraordinary comeback he's made in the polls over Joe Biden, where he is basically neck and neck with Joe Biden in a CNN poll. So he, Joe Biden is doing r- much poorly. Democrats all over are doing very poorly because they have not stopped these violent acts. All happening in Democrat-run cities. And now what they are doing is blaming Donald Trump. Joe Biden coming out and saying, it's Donald Trump's fault. If he's re-elected, it'll continue. So first, they praise these. They praise this violence. They praise it as a matter of solidarity. And now, they're going to turn around and blame Donald Trump because... They're doing poorly in the polls. Absolutely ridiculous. It's awful. It's egregious. And really what it is communicating is that the left thinks we are idiots. It is a slap in the face to all of us, or at least it should be, to think that Joe Biden is going to get up and blame Donald Trump for acts of violence that Donald Trump has repeatedly condemned, and yet Joe Biden has said nothing about himself. It is absolutely ridiculous, and it should be a slap to our faces, again, to have any politician, any member of the left, To think that we are so stupid that we cannot see and judge this for ourselves. I'm completely shocked that now they're blaming it on Trump. Why am I saying I'm shocked? I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked at how crazy the left is going, but I'm extraordinarily disappointed. Well, obviously we're ending on a little bit of a negative note. What I do want to do is give us a little bit of hope in our end of show segment of the vast past. Welcome back to the vast past. Here in this segment, what we're going to do is go throughout history, just very briefly, a little bit of a survey and look at the executive branch, executive overreach, the expansion of the executive bureaucracy and how it has hurt us and how do we solve it and a message of hope for the future. The first preliminary really is to define what the executive branch is, where it is enabled, and that is the second article of the Constitution, the first article setting up the legislative, the second setting up the executive, the third setting up the judicial branch, three different branches of government set up in the first three articles of the Constitution, the executive being Article 2, where it sets up the executive branch, the federal government's executive, the power, the enforcement of federal laws. Here in America, we have a unitary executive branch, one head, that is the president, In each respective state obviously would be the governor, they are the head of the executive, they are enforcers of the law, the governor's the state's laws, the president the federal laws. The legislative makes the laws, the executive enforces the laws, and the judicial interprets the laws. This is very basic. I think most of us understand that, or at least that general overview summarizes it enough for everyone. Again, the executive branch is needed to enforce the laws, not only to enforce the laws, but to enforce them uniformly. Think about it this way. If laws were not applied uniformly, then the rule of law does not exist in America. The rule of law must exist. We've talked about how our nation was founded upon the law of nature and of nature's God. And from that emanates the rule of law that no one is above the law, including the president, right? That everyone is subject to the law and the law must be uniformly applied because that is how truly the rule of law reigns. The rule of law must be impartial. The problem in recent years is that it has become partial. It has become a toy for radicals, and that is through the expansion of the executive bureaucracy. The power in the executive is really supposed to be put directly and only really through the president, and the president obviously can delegate that power, but it is the president's sole responsibility to enforce those laws. It's supposed to be centralized in the president. It's supposed to be swift and powerful because it is the enforcer of the law, so it must come quickly, and it needs to be applied equally and nationally. And quickly, so again, it has to be given power expressly to the president, contrasting with the legislative, which is supposed to be obviously more partial, more deliberation and discussion, and the judicial being above political party, engaging in what is truly a good application of the law that is written. So from that, the threat of a strong bureaucracy is threefold. And this is according to Dr. Larry arnott Hillsdale College. He says, first of all, alliance in large parts of Congress, a vast bureaucracy, and a court system that protects it. We have all three. We have large alliances inside of the Congress, inside of legislatures, that don't exhibit oversight, where they don't rein in on these executive agencies, and they use them as mechanisms to enforce their own ideologies. And then we have vast executive bureaucracies. We have many, many agencies. Agencies that are irrelevant, that are not functioning, that are unconstitutional, that are applying law inadequately, or unjustly, or not uniformly. And then lastly, a court system that protects it, which exactly illustrates what's going on right now. In fact, we have courts that judges sit on them called ALJs, administrative law judges, and they are set up by the agencies themselves. So you have an agency created that now can write the law, write regulations, can enforce the law, obviously through their officers, they're the executive branch, and then interpret the law With administrative law judges, they can create their own courts, really diluting, obviously, all three branches of government, but specifically the executive, the power being diminished, the power being less uniformly applied. And it is vastly unconstitutional because now we have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of unelected government officials that are just part of this vast bureaucracy of government agencies that we can't pronounce the name of, that we don't know the acronyms of, that we have never heard of. These government officials that are unelected, forcing us to certain policies, forcing us to their own subjective sense of reality according to their regulations. It is very unconstitutional and it is an extreme threat to our republic. The way to solve this is to simply start stripping out the executive agencies. There's no way around it. Ted Cruz on his platform for president back in 2016 was to create a flat income tax and to abolish the IRS. I'm all for that. Obviously, there's some need for executive agencies, but in a minuscule percentage of what we have today, I'm all for stripping them, defunding them. There needs to be some discussion and some deliberation, but it is Congress's job to issue oversight and to rein in on these executive agencies, and I think that's much needed. And I do think it is happening. That's the message of hope I want to give to you. I think Donald Trump is big into deregulation. I hope he pushes Congress more to conduct oversight to strip more and more executive agencies from their power. It is good that we are seeing some of that, but we need more of it. So, to give you hope that it is happening, that the executive should be diminishing, and that there should be more power given to the president in the executive realm, right, and less given to all these agencies to whom we do not elect, I do think it is happening. I do think we are on the right track in this specific area. Just hopefully it will happen at a much quicker pace. I want to encourage all of you to continue to share this, not just this episode specifically, but the message. Maybe you don't mention the show at all. Maybe you don't reference it, but maybe something you take away or you learn from this helps you in a good conversation with someone else in your personal day to day lives. Maybe it's something indirect like that. So I hope this has been helpful to you. I hope that not only has it been helpful, but that it has been hopeful, that we are on the right track, that there is hope for our future, and that if we roll up our sleeves and we get to work, we can build a better America. That is what we are all about here at The Glorious Rescue. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Josiah Evertson, and this is The Glorious Rescue.